Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into the heart of political philosophy with The Social Contract, written by the eminent 18th century thinker Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Considered one of his most significant contributions to political and social theory, The Social Contract specifies the necessary foundations for the legitimate establishment and administration of a state. Rousseau's profound ideas played a pivotal role in the upheavals of the French Revolution and influenced the birth of the United States Constitution, marking this work as an essential pillar of modern democratic ideals. Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the visionary Genevan philosopher, writer and composer, is renowned for his sweeping impact across various domains, including educational theory and musicology. Though he has penned several noteworthy pieces, including Discourse on Inequality and On the Origin of Languages, the social contract remains a testament to his lasting legacy. As a testament to his monumental influence, Rousseau's remains were honoured by being placed in the Pantheon in Paris as a tribute to a national hero. This book is crucial reading not only for students seeking a foundational understanding of Rousseau's philosophy, but also for political enthusiasts who wish to explore the bedrock texts of liberal thought. It's equally engaging for lifelong learners eager to acquaint themselves with the classical masterpieces of Western intellect. Join us as we distill the essence of this revolutionary text into a concise exploration fit for curious minds invariably drawn to the classics that shape our world. The Social Contract, a cornerstone in modern political and social thought. Introduction. From Monarchies to Voting Booths. How Democracy Still Misses Rousseau's Mark In 1762, Jean-Jacques Rousseau presented a revolutionary idea. Imagine a society where every individual's voice contributes to the collective decision-making process. Now, fast forward several centuries and you might think, that sounds like today's democratic governments, right? But let's dive deeper. Our modern democracies certainly bear a resemblance to Rousseau's ideal of the general will. However, these systems fall short in one notable aspect, true direct democracy, where the laws are an expression of the people's will. Instead, we find ourselves relying on representatives to translate our needs and wishes into laws, and this distance between the individual and legislative power is what Rousseau might argue still needs to be bridged. Indifference and inaction. The silent threats to our societal structure. When was the last time you engaged in a civic discussion, attended a local council meeting, or even voted? Rousseau's concept emphasizes not just the act of voting, but continuous engagement in the political sphere. By stepping back and letting representatives pilot the ship of state, we may be sailing into choppy waters of potential corruption or social fragmentation. Through the lens of Rousseau, the vitality of a state depends on its citizens' consistent involvement. When such engagement is missing, the heavy machinery of bureaucracy takes over, and the spirit of true democracy gets lost in translation. Rediscovering humanity within civilization's cradle. Imagine living at the very dawn of civilization. Rousseau would argue that it was along these nascent moments that we became truly human. Stripping away the layers of societal evolution, 
we find an inherent connectedness and dependency on one another that sculpts our humanity, reminiscing the glory of early Rome. The Roman Republic held a special place in Rousseau's heart, a time when citizens were soldiers and statesmen, shaping their destinies with their own hands. Ancient Rome wasn't just a city-state, it was a shining example of direct democracy and civic responsibility where one's engagement in the state's affairs was a matter of personal honor. Church and State A Controversial Stance by Rousseau Rousseau didn't shy away from touchy subjects, pointing his philosophical lance at the role of Christianity in the political sphere. Is the religion of love and forgiveness compatible with the needs of a state built on the general will? Rousseau's controversial views landed the social contract on the banned books list, sparking heated debates over the ages. Through this lens, we uncover the revolutionary underpinnings of Rousseau's political philosophy, one that implores us to participate directly in the mechanisms that chart the course of our collective existence. To lift society towards its ideal state, it requires not only the establishment of just laws, but the direct and active participation of each and every one of us. Part 1. The Heart of Legitimacy. Free Consent Within the Social Order. Imagine living unfettered, free as the birds in the sky, until society wraps you in chains of expectation and law. This striking image is the opening salvo of Jean-Jacques Rousseau's The Social Contract, as he declares, Man is born free, but he is everywhere in chains. But what are these chains, if not the societal rules that hem us in, sometimes benefiting few while hindering many? Rousseau digs deep into this conundrum, examining when, if ever, it's worth it to trade personal liberty for the constraints of societal life. Our guiding principle is this. A state's legitimacy hinges on the free consent of its members. Rousseau peels back layers of traditional understanding to probe whether leaders are inherently entitled to command. He quickly dismantles the notion that rulers are akin to parents, inherently fit to guide with a deft hand simply by nature. Many rulers, as history shows, ascend not through inherent wisdom or capability, but often through force or opportunism. Then Rousseau considers whether might equals right, if the power to subdue legitimizes rulership. Once again, he dismisses this notion. True authority can't be simply taken, it must be given, through the collective, free acknowledgement of a ruler's role by the populace. This leads us to Rousseau's seminal concept, the social contract. This contract isn't a physical document, but a fundamental understanding amongst a people. It's an accord, entered into willingly, where individuals accept that certain freedoms may be curtailed in exchange for shared benefits, peace, security, prosperity. In Rousseau's vision, when citizens come together, agreeing to form a collective, a society, a state, they are entering into a contract. Each individual becomes a part of a larger whole voluntarily, with the state's existence justified not through force, but supported by the collective will. Rousseau's treatise isn't just a political blueprint, it's a call to conscious participation. It suggests that for society to be legitimate and just, its members must not only acknowledge the social contract, 
but actively maintain it through engagement and consent. Only in this act of daily renewal does the body politic truly thrive, with legitimacy springing from the freely given consent of its citizens. Part 2. Embracing humanity through the laws we live by. Picture a world unshackled by the confines of society. This is the state of nature Rousseau introduces to us. A time before the birth of the social contract, where humanity roamed free following untamed desires and instincts. He called this natural autonomy natural freedom, a raw, unrefined existence without restraint. However, when humanity decided to weave the fabric of a community, a seismic shift occurred. By surrendering some of that untamed freedom for the sake of society, we also gained something immensely valuable. Civil freedom emerged, the freedom to aim higher, to seek protection, and to cultivate a life of greater meaning within a supportive societal framework. It's here, under the domain of codified laws, Rousseau declares, that our true humanity unfurls like sails catching the wind. Why? Because the rule of law nudges us out of our instinct-led lives. It's a spark for moral awakening, compelling us to contemplate our actions and their ripple effects on others, thus nurturing our rational and ethical potentials. Let's explore this transformative shift. Humanity's true potential is realized within the boundaries of society's laws. Civil society is like a mirror, reflecting two images of ourselves, one as individuals with desires unique to us, and the other as members of a collective, investing in the common good. Naturally, this duality can tug our conscience in different directions, exemplified when we begrudgingly pay taxes but acknowledge the societal benefits they catalyze. With everyone shouldering the same societal weight, a fascinating phenomenon takes shape. Society manifests its own will, distinct from any one individual. Rousseau calls this the general will. In his vision, society becomes more than a sum of its parts. It becomes a collective person, with sovereignty residing in this shared identity and purpose. Thus, through the crucible of legal and social structures, what emerges is our greater humanity, one that isn't solely about personal liberties, but encompasses a mindful balance between self-interest and the greater good. Rousseau's revelation is profound. It isn't in the wild that we find our true selves, but in the civil structures that define, challenge, and elevate our existence. Part 3. Reflecting the People's Voice, the Essence of a Legitimate State's Laws Rousseau dared to reconceptualize the notion of a sovereign, traditionally envisioned as a monarch reigning supreme. He took the term sovereign and anchored it firmly within the collective will of the people. Sovereignty, in Rousseau's reimagined state, didn't rest on a gilded throne but emanated from the very fabric of society, the social contract. Now, let's unwrap Rousseau's key insight. Laws in any legitimate state are the mirror image of the people's collective aspirations. This pivot flips the hierarchical script. No longer a commoner's subject to the whims of a ruler. Instead, it is the ruler who is answerable to the people. The people now hold the pen that drafts the laws under which they live. Picture an ideal state, a vessel where every law is stamped with the unanimous seal of public approval. 
Laws that safeguard human rights and freedoms earn their legitimacy through our universal nod of agreement. They reflect a shared commitment to what is equitable and just. In Rousseau's perfectly tuned state, laws transcribe the societal ethos, heralding and upholding common values and principles. When the populace embodies the sovereign, every legitimate state naturally takes on the form of a republic. Now, this idea of governance extends beyond the process of legislation. The day-to-day operations that bring laws to life, the government's machinery, can morph into myriad shapes. Rousseau reiterates that a legitimate government might even wear a crown. Yet a republican monarchy would be one where the monarch's power simply echoes the collective resolve of the people. Rousseau argues for a division between the sovereign's will and the government's function, ensuring those who enforce the law don't concurrently craft it, and thereby checkerboarding against conflicts of interest. Next up, we'll probe into the different government forms, sifting through them to identify the perfect match for Rousseau's envisioned republic. Part 4. Aristocracy. Navigating the governance spectrum for a balanced reign. The game of governance can play out in myriad configurations, but they all distill to a trio of archetypes, democracy, aristocracy, and monarchy. Each of these forms occupies its own niche in the spectrum of statecraft. A democratic government sees widespread participation in the bureaucratic dance, while an aristocratic one reserves the waltz for a select few. And at the far end of the spectrum, with monarchy, we find the solitary figure of a single ruler steering the ship of state. Now, let's unlock Rousseau's perspective. Among these three, aristocracy emerges as the favored governance model. First, we turn to democracy, but not the ballot box brand we know today. Rousseau envisioned a democracy ripe with direct public governance, a proposition he found fraught with logistical nightmares. How would a nation fare if every citizen were wrapped in the government's red tape? Not well, Rousseau concluded, suggesting that true democracy is a fitting suitor only for states of quaint proportions. Then, we glance at monarchy, a streamlined one-person operation. Efficient? Undoubtedly. Safe? Rousseau suspected not. A solitary ruler's efficiency can swiftly become tyranny and monarchal demise can open a Pandora's box of power struggles, putting the realm on a knife edge. So, despite its potential for rapid action, monarchy is set aside with caution. This leaves us with aristocracy, a term which might ignite contemporary disdain but held a noble resonance for Rousseau. Aristocracy, or governance by the exemplary, seems an ideal middle ground a place where skill and experience are the coveted currency for leadership. In Rousseau's vision, an aristocratic government, where rulers are chosen for their merit and acumen, offers a pragmatic bridge between a democracy that risks paralysis by analysis and a monarchy that gambles with the whims of one. Thus, for him, aristocracy casts the longest shadow, boasting potential for the most balanced and prudent governance. Part 5. Uniting Voices The Role of Popular Assemblies in Expressing the Collective Will Envision a society where power flows from the people to the government and back again. A graceful dance of checks and balances. 
Rousseau saw this dynamic as the lifeblood of a functioning polity, with the sovereign, the collective embodiment of the people, guiding the hand of governance through law. But this ideal symmetry between sovereign and government is perpetually at risk. The temptress of power can seduce government officials, luring them away from public service towards selfish pursuits. Such a betrayal could fracture the social contract, turning willing citizens into disenfranchised subjects. This is where the power of the people's voice comes into play. Rousseau champions the assembly of citizens as the most surefire channel to express the general will. Let's paint this crucial scene. Citizens convene collectively, becoming a chorus of democratic expression. In these communal gatherings, the populace can sculpt new legislation, debate civic issues, and hold their government accountable. These assemblies are not just forums for voicing concerns. They're crucibles where society can renew and reaffirm its collective values and identity. Might it seem an outdated concept, summoning every citizen to a common ground in today's sprawling nations? Perhaps. But let us remember the Roman Comitia, a vibrant assembly where citizens, by the hundreds of thousands, would engage weekly in the civic ritual of deliberation and decision-making. These Roman Comitia were far from mere procedural gatherings. They were the pulse of the Republic, a tangible manifestation of the citizens' dedication to their communal destiny. Through active participation, they fostered the spirit of civic responsibility essential to the thriving of the social contract. Rousseau's vision is a clarion call to revive the civic spirit, to lean into the beat of collective governance, fully engaged, fully accountable, fully alive. In this light, the popular assembly stands not as an artifact, but as a perennial beacon showcasing the harmonious power of the people's voice. Part 6. Cultivating the Common Good. The Role of Civic Virtues and State Religion. Civic virtues are the fundamental qualities that distinguish a model citizen, someone who actively participates in the democratic process, adheres to laws, and contributes to communal welfare. These virtues underpin the societal fabric and foster a sense of shared responsibility among citizens. However, when these virtues wane, the state faces fragmentation as individuals place personal gain above the collective welfare. Civic disengagement can give rise to factions, each vying for their own interests at the expense of societal harmony. To fortify the state against such division, Rousseau suggested a solution that stirs debate, the establishment of a state religion to bolster civic virtues. Here lies Rousseau's novel thesis. A state religion can be an instrument to infuse the population with civic virtues. Reflecting on ancient cultures, Rousseau admired their seamless confluence of religion and national identity, where localized deities enshrined territorial fidelity and woven the community into a tight fabric of shared belief. Enter Christianity, a faith that transcended borders and ethnicities, birthing a believer's network unbound to any singular realm. This universality of belief introduced a pivotal distinction, the separateness of church and state, which in turn sparked an uneasy tension between ecclesiastical and civil jurisdictions. Rousseau noted Christianity's otherworldly focus 
could potentially distance adherents from earthly civic affairs, casting a shadow over the public spirit. His proposition, then, was one of coherence. Reintroduce a civil religion, aligning belief with the ethos of the state. This civil creed would not dictate the minutiae of personal faith, but would uphold some core tenets. The sanctity of the law and the constitution, and the exaltation of liberty and equality. In essence, Rousseau's vision was not to impose strictures of belief, but to cultivate a religious framework that reinvigorates a national ethos, aligning spirituality with citizenship. Let the state echo the sacred, he urged, and let the public sphere resonate with the virtues that bind its people into a cohesive whole. Final summary. Jean-Jacques Rousseau revolutionized political thought, asserting that a true state gains its legitimacy not through force or historical right, but through embodying the collective will of its people. The ultimate test of a state's validity is voluntary, mutual consent. Individuals agree to partake in and abide by a system that assures mutual advantages for all. Rousseau's vision offers a potent mix for creating a lasting and stable republic. He saw a polity where citizens are directly involved in shaping the societal rules that govern them through vibrant democratic assemblies. Their participation is vital, for it's within these forums that the general will is articulated and refined. Once the laws are crafted, Rousseau proposed an aristocratic government for enactment, a meritocracy composed of the best minds tasked with translating the citizens' will into effective governance. Rousseau's legacy lies in this ideal, a steadfast republic shaped by active citizens, upheld by a government of merit, and continuously renewed through the voice and will of its people. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.